I've loosely titled this segment Banking for Dummies, but that's that's for people like me <laughs> that don't understand the banking industry. It's not about our guest, the CEO at Triad Bank, Jim Regda. And by way of explanation, not only is he the, the head of the bank there, Triad Bank, which has been around for, boy, it's coming up on 20 years now, but somebody who worked in the regulatory end of things in terms of banking, worked with the state of Missouri in the division of finance. So knows the uh, ins, the outs, where the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed in terms of how the banks work, how they're supposed to work. And this has all come to light because of Silicon Valley Bank going under and then concerns about other banks when there's a run on money and you know, we all go to the bank, put our money in, and then we take it out, and we borrow from the bank. But I don't know that too many of us really understand how does that all work? How does this happen? And so for the KillCoin conversation, I turned to somebody who is a uh, uh, an expert in the industry, but also a good friend, the CEO at Triad Bank, Jim Regna. He'll walk us through all this. We try to do it in layman's terms. How does this happen? And then just a little added curveball there. I wanted to ask him about bankruptcy, how that works, because we know with Bally Sports Midwest that carries the Cardinals, the Blues games, a lot of talk about these RSNs, regional sports networks, and a uh, large group there owned by Sinclair. Finally, for bankruptcy, what's next for them? So that's a, a bonus question as we do banking for dummies, and we may grab Jim more often, throw him on the show to explain things in the really in the financial world that we just don't understand kill coin conversation as always coming to you from the pasta house studios kids eat free on sundays there's a way to save some money games are always on whether it's baseball hockey the basketball we won't talk about what happened to mizzou or marquette or illinois or for my purdue friends but the point is the games are on kids eating free on sundays it's a great family hangout and also outstanding food PastaHouse.com is where you can order online Triad Bank, as mentioned here, longtime sponsor, just a great neighborhood-friendly bank. And you don't use those words often when talking about a bank. But my mom commented on it years ago. She said, well, I was in the lobby and everybody was friendly and they offered me a coffee and people were actually glad I was there. You just don't get that at the big corporate banks. And that's not the most important thing. How they do business is number one, and they do great business because they're a five-star rated bank people you can trust, but also it's just a different feeling when you do business with Triad Bank. They're on the web at triadbanking.com, also that original location, Clayton Road in Frontenac, and the second location's on Olive, just west of 270. Also great sponsors, Marie de Villa Senior Living. They're also on Clayton Road at the corner of Clayton and Weidman Road. They've been there since 1960. Red Shandings lived there for many years, also was a business partner. Great place for your retirement years, the Villa Estates, Beautiful campus, mariedevilla.com for more information. Also, B&G Tuck Pointing, the best in the bricks. Tuck Pointing this time of year, looking at the outside of your home, your garage, maybe your place of business. If the Tuck Pointing doesn't look right, then the bricks, everything looks bad. Call my buddy Rich Galati at 363-0525. 363-0525. Number to call here in 314 area code, the 314 area code, or on the web, BG Tuck Pointing. Com. And Appliance Discounters, find them on the web at theappliancediscounters.com. It's real simple. Their savings are your savings. Let's get to it. Our visit with the CEO at Triad Bank, Jim Regna. 
Jim, you're the perfect guy to talk to, and I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it banking for dummies. Now, don't be offended. You're not the dummy. I'm the dummy here, trying to understand it. Uh, and let's start. Obviously, the whole world's talking about Silicon Valley Bank. Is there a layman's term or a way to explain kind of what happened? Was it just panic and everybody took their money out at once, or what? And you don't have to criticize their practices, but what what did happen? Well, so I think the best explanation that I've heard that was that people can relate to is. It's uh, similar to what happened in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And there was a run on Jimmy Stewart's bank and the people wanted their money and they said, well, your money's in, at, you know, Tom bought a house and June bought a house. Those are your neighbors, they, there's where their money is, so I don't have it. And so in this case with the Silicon Valley Bank, uh, they invested uh, the depositors' money in, in uh, longer term uh, marketable securities and when interest rates went up, those securities lost value. And so that in itself isn't necessarily uh, an issue. There's a lot of banks that are in that same position right now. Um, but what happened was, uh, because there was a concentration of these startup businesses and the CEOs all talked to each other, it caused a run when the first CEO of a tech company pulled their money out they subsequently talked to other CEOs and they followed suit. And so uh, because they didn't have the liquidity to give the depositors all their money back, they had to sell marketable securities at losses. And so um, it made the bank insolvent. And so it was a common, and so that's why the regulators came in was to, uh, due to the safety and soundness issue. Would the bank have not gone under if Basically, the word on the street hadn't gotten out. Like it's almost like a whisper campaign. You hear what's going on. You hear what's going on. You hear, and it, it would it set itself into its own panic, right? Would the bank have been okay if everybody didn't panic? It would have definitely been okay if there was no panic. Um, they would have, they would have, you know, it would have been. Uh, it's a paper loss. So you know, on this marketable securities. So uh, so typically, you're not going to sell something. You're going to have a loss on. And so they would have worked their way through it. The securities would have matured. They would have reinvested and at, at better rates and things like that. So it was the the the, the panic that occurred uh, by these companies that had large amounts of cash um, within Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley Bank. And, and FDIC. We see that every time we walk in, Triad Bank, any bank has the FDIC. And the number is always two hundred fifty thousand, right? So yes. if, if you're an invest, if you're just a customer, and you have five hundred thousand in that account, it's only insured up to two fifty. But it sounds like, from what I've read, a lot of people had a lot more than that in these accounts. So I think there's a difference here for so for like an individual who's got money in the bank, uh, two hundred fifty thousand. We can also uh, structure that to where you have. Uh, named beneficiaries, so you can have a lot more insurance as an individual by how you title an account. And so we're very good at that here, Our Karen Reed and our lobby, uh, our people are trained, they know how to help people, individuals. They have large amounts of money. Right. right? And so the difficulty is for a corporation who's got millions of dollars, you can't title in different names. Um, they need access to their money to 
facilitate their business and pay people and payroll and and so it's just not uh, it's not um, it's it's not convenient to have money spread you know if you got you know ten million dollars you're going to have it in twenty different banks it's just not. So is that FDIC really just for individual? It doesn't no, necessarily... They, they do have the, the coverage. And there is another thing that we do for corporations and things. It's a, it's a company called IDS where they will take the money and they will disperse it between other banks. And then in return, they take other banks' clients and put money in to our bank. So it, it does spread it out. And that's usually for like public funds, money that's not going to be uh, operating necessarily. Um, so it's truly, you know, what what has occurred, and I think really is going to be the interesting issue here is, uh, and I hope it's just not me having a knee-jerk reaction, but I do believe that the insurance system needs to be uh, revamped. Uh, think about the fact that since, you know, the FDIC insurance came into uh, effect back in the Great Depression. And so they've increased it over the years, most recently back in 2008, where they increased it from 100000 to 250000 The problem is that our country has grown. Our, our gross national product, you know, we're a much bigger uh, GDP than what we were back in the Great Depression. You couple that with all of the stimulus money that's been put into the system, that money has to go somewhere. That, you know, and there's, it's in, virtually impossible to have it all insured unless you're really going to go great lengths and, you know, and make that your full-time job, just moving your money around. But, so it really does, I think hopefully it woke up the people in Washington, D.C. and the FDIC, uh, and I, I'm, sure, I'm sure it has. Now, when I say that in terms of uh, we need to do something different and it needs to be a tiered system and you gotta, you got to you got to know how much banks, how many bank clients are uninsured because of the amounts that are in the bank. I believe that the banks should pay an insurance premium to the FDIC to cover all those deposits. Um, and I think they need to build up the fund because here was what I really found interesting is um, I'd never heard of Silicon Valley Bank before last week. And, uh, and the other bank up in New York or whatever. But with Silicon Valley Bank, we actually had clients here who had accounts with them. Um, I called our legal counsel over the weekend just to hear what they were, because remember, they hadn't really determined what they were going to do with this bank. It was going to create, so I called our legal counsel to kind of see what they're hearing. And uh, they actually had a tech division. And Midwest law firm with a tech division that had a a lot of clients that were banking with Silicon Valley, and they were working with them to get their money out. And so uh, to, to believe that it's just an isolated case, that it doesn't have ripple effects, is naive. I was, you know, naive on my part, because I, I, I would have bet, you know, 100 bucks that nobody had Silicon right. Valley accounts here. And so, um, you know, that's a real thing. You can't have companies being wiped out of their deposits and they can't make payroll and and pay people so it's something that we have to look at as an industry and from a regulatory side and from a and from an industry standpoint and so when the government says we're going to cover everybody's money you're not going to lose your money and i get it they don't want mass panic and chaos across the the country whatever your politics are they don't want chaos they don't want everybody running to the bank 
But then they say it's coming from this fund. What is that? Like banks pay into, or is that something new? No, the fund's been there for a long time, and uh, it's it's based upon how risky your your bank is. You pay uh, an annual assessment to the FDIC for insurance. So that's been there forever. You know, it's they've and they you know depending on the economy, they could um, increase the amount to make sure there's enough. Uh, funds available if there's you know like in 2008 and 9 when there were all those bank failures they increased you know the premiums that we paid the FDIC fairly significantly so there is money there to do this it's it's when they say it's not taxpayer money that's accurate that's accurate and do you think Silicon Valley was it risky banking or was it just bad luck combination I think uh, I think they ignored one of the basic banking 101 in terms of managing your interest rate risk. And so what they did was they took short-term volatile deposits. They're volatile because you have immediate access to them, nothing wrong with that, um, and, and uh, invested them in longer-term marketable securities. And so that was a mismatch related to short-term uh, liability funding a long-term asset. And so that's not good practice. Where I think they probably, and it probably would have been okay if we didn't have inflation, which you know made those uh, securities, marketable securities they bought, uh, uh, lose value. And so we hadn't had inflation in 50 years, so I could see why someone would say, what's inflation? You know, why, is that, how is that really a factor in my interest rate risk program? But it is one, and, and, and obviously um, we see that that was something they probably miscalculated. Is it an international story now? I know where Swiss Bank was mentioned and things were happening overseas. Do you think this does have a ripple effect across the globe in terms of consumers or the banking industry? What, where does it go from here? That's the most open-ended question yeah, I could come I, up I with. Where does it go from here? But d- does it change things dramatically, or is this just kind of no, a blip? I think it all kind of settles down. I think in 30 days it will be forgotten for the most part, other than bank regulators changing how they examine banks now. All right, and this is off off the topic, but since this is banking for dummies, <laughs> I, I, you can help me understand this. So in the regional sports networks, which we have Bally's Sports Midwest, there's this whole deal going on. Uh, you know, Cardinals Blues fans want to know will we get the games and they're saying you'll get to see those but the group that owns it is going to go into bankruptcy and so now Major League Baseball I've been told is waiting to see what's the value they may hop in and buy it at a lower rate how does that work like they're still making payroll for the most part I believe if you go into bankruptcy so they owe all this money how can they just say well we're going to redo our debt or how does how does that work and they can still be in well, business like mainly so the, it's the con you know i'm not sure of all of their woes financial woes but i think from what i understand they overpaid for these contracts and um and so i think really their strategy is we'll file bankruptcy renegotiate the contracts and 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 be able to continue to broadcast but at a lower uh, fee to the baseball team. So bankruptcy in this sense, they're just kind of going back to the table yes. and saying we can't afford it. So they're not necessarily for sale at this point. I wouldn't think so. I think it's I, my my view of it is it's a it's a strategy to try to renegotiate the contracts. Banking for dummies with the one and only Jim Regna here at Triad Bank. Hopefully everybody learned a little something. 
I mean, that's the goal, I guess, of all of our conversations. Maybe something you didn't know or a story that gets revisited. The Kilquin Conversation, sometimes walking down memory lane, but every once in a while we're going to do current events, topical conversation, including this, the banking industry. Where does it go from here? And I think maybe, well, Jim does know better than us, but hopefully he's right. The things just sort of calm down. There's, I guess I shouldn't point the finger at the media because I'm in the media, but there always does seem to be some hysteria, whatever the topic. And then it just sort of quiets down. It just sort of goes away. And not that it's that simple, but let's hope that that's the case because you don't need an international crisis when it comes to banking. Thanks to Jim for hopping on the show. As always, from the Pasta House Studios, tell the folks all the time, if you've got kids playing sports and you're on the run during the week, let Pasta House do the cooking. Just get one of those family meals. Pick it out online at pastahouse.com. B&G Tuck Pointing, in addition to Tuck Pointing, they also do waterproofing, Foundation repair, a lot of great before and after pictures. They're always tweeting those out. BGTuckPointing.com or call them up, 314-363-0525. Triad Bank, great place for people like me, my mom, but also business owners. You'd be surprised how many businesses around town do their banking with Triad Bank. They've figured it out, what it's like to have a locally owned, locally operated bank. It does make a big difference, especially our business owners here in town. Find out for yourself. Visit our friends at Triad Bank. Appliance discounters. I always talk about the low prices on merchandise, but also the great service team. That's my guy, Sean. The Kilcoins have beat up a couple of dishwashers and refrigerators over the years. I, I should be embarrassed to say, but Sean is the man. He can fix anything, and it's great to have a repair team nearby where it's not an 800 number where they book you a month out call the folks at appliance discounters or go to their website theappliancediscounters.com and of course marie de villa senior living corner of clayton and weidman road those fountains are red in october for the cardinals probably not going to be blue this april or may although they would do it if the blues when the blues make playoff runs it's part of the festive atmosphere at that great spot for your retirement years, mariedevilla.com, M-A-R-I-D-E-V-I-L-L-A.com. Every time I spell it out, I feel like Jack Buck. M-A-R-I-D-E, as he would spell things out. Thanks for listening in to the Kilcoin Conversation. You can find us, as always, at Spotify, iTunes, and at scoopswithdannymac.com. Mac.com.